Chapter Ten of Varney the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume One, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter Ten. The return from the vault, the alarm, and the search around the hall. It so happened that George and Henry Bannerworth, along with Mr. Marchdale, had just reached the gate which conducted into the garden of the mansion when they were all alarmed by the report of a pistol. Amid the stillness of the night it came upon them with so sudden a shock that they involuntarily paused, and there came from the lips of each an expression of alarm. "'Good heavens!' cried George. "'Can that be Flora firing at any intruder?' "'It must be,' cried Henry. "'She has in her possession the only weapons in the house.' Mr. Marchdale turned very pale, and trembled slightly, but he did not speak. "'Go on,' cried Henry. "'For God's sake, let us hasten on.' As he spoke, he cleared the gate at a bound, and, at a terrific pace, he made towards the house, passing over beds and plantations and flowers heedlessly, so that he went the most direct way to it. Before, however, it was possible for any human speed to accomplish even half of the distance, the report of the other shot came upon his ears, and he even fancied he heard the bullet whistle past his head in tolerable close proximity. This supposition gave him a clue to the direction at all events from whence the shots proceeded, otherwise he knew not from which window they were fired, because it had not occurred to him, previous to leaving home, to inquire in which room Flora and his mother were likely to be seated waiting his return. He was right as regarded the bullet. It was that winged messenger of death which had passed his head in such very dangerous proximity, and consequently he made with tolerable accuracy towards the open window, from whence the shots had been fired. The night was not near so dark as it had been, although even yet it was very far from being a light one, and he was soon enabled to see that there was a room, the window of which was wide open, and lights burning on the table within. He made towards it in a moment, and entered it. To his astonishment, the first objects he beheld were Flora and a stranger, who was now supporting her in his arms. To grapple him by the throat was the work of a moment, but the stranger cried aloud, in a voice which sounded familiar to Henry, "'Good God! Are you all mad?' Henry relaxed his hold, and looked in his face. "'Gracious heavens! It is Mr. Holland,' he said. "'Yes. Did you not know me?' Henry was bewildered. He staggered to a seat, and in doing so he saw his mother stretched apparently lifeless upon the floor. To raise her was the work of a moment, and then Marchdale and George, who had followed him as fast as they could, appeared at the open window. Such a strange scene as that small room now exhibited had never been equalled in Bannerworth Hall. There was young Mr. Holland, of whom mention has already been made, as the affianced lover of Flora, supporting her faint form. There was Henry doing equal service to his mother, and on the floor lay the two pistols, and one of the candles which had been upset in the confusion, while the terrified attitudes of George and Mr. Marchdale at the window completed the strange-looking picture. "'What is this? Oh, what has happened?' cried George. "'I know not, I know not,' said Henry. "'Someone summon the servants. I am nearly mad.' Mr. Marchdale at once rung the bell, for George looked so faint and ill as to be incapable of doing so and he rung it so loudly and so effectually, that the two servants who had been employed suddenly upon the other's leaving came with much speed to know what was the matter. "'Cease your mistress,' said Henry. "'She is dead or has fainted. 
For God's sake, let who can give me some account of what has caused all this confusion here. Are you aware, Henry, said Marchdale, that a stranger is present in the room? He pointed at Mr. Holland as he spoke, who, before Henry could reply, said, Sir, I may be a stranger to you, as you are to me, and yet no stranger to those whose home this is. No, no, said Henry, you are no stranger to us, Mr. Holland, but are thrice welcome. None can be more welcome. Mr. Marchdale, this is Mr. Holland, of whom you have heard me speak. I am proud to know you, sir, said Mr. Marchdale. Sir, I thank you, replied Holland, coldly. It will so happen, but at first sight it appeared as if those two persons had some kind of antagonistic feeling towards each other, which threatened to prevent effectually their ever becoming intimate friends. The appeal of Henry to the servants to know if they could tell him what had occurred was answered in the negative. All they knew was that they had heard two shots fired, and that since then they had remained where they were, in a great fright, until the bell was rung violently. This was no news at all, and therefore the only chance was, to wait patiently for the recovery of the mother, or of Flora, from one or the other of whom surely some information could be at once then procured. Mrs. Bannerworth was removed to her own room, and so would Flora have been, but Mr. Holland, who was supporting her in his arms, said, I think the air from the open window is recovering her, and it is likely to do so. Oh, do not now take her from me, after so long an absence. Flora, Flora, look up. Do you not know me? You have not yet given me one look of acknowledgment. Flora, dear Flora. The sound of his voice seemed to act as the most potent of charms in restoring her to consciousness. It broke through the death-like trance in which she lay, and opening her beautiful eyes, she fixed them upon his face, saying, "'Yes, yes, it is Charles, it is Charles.' She burst into a hysterical flood of tears, and clung to him like some terrified child to its only friend in the whole wide world. "'Oh, my dear friends,' cried Charles Holland, "'do not deceive me. Has Flora been ill?' "'We have all been ill,' said George. "'All ill? I and nearly mad,' exclaimed Henry." Holland looked from one to the other in surprise, as well he might, nor was that surprise at all lessened when Flora made an effort to extricate herself from his embrace, as she exclaimed, "'You must leave me, you must leave me, Charles, for ever. Oh, never, never look upon my face again.' "'I—I I am bewildered,' said Charles. "'Leave me now,' continued Flora. "'Think me unworthy, think what you will, Charles. But I cannot, I dare not now be yours.' "'Is this a dream?' Oh, would it were! Charles, if we had never met, you would be happier. I could not be more wretched. Flora, Flora, do you say these words of so great a cruelty to try my love? No, as heaven is my judge, I do not. Gracious heaven, then, what do they mean? Flora shuddered, and Henry, coming up to her, took her hand in his tenderly, as he said, Has it been again? It has. You shot it? I fired full upon it, Henry, but it fled. It did— fly? It did, Henry, but it will come again. It will surely come again. You—you you hit it with the bullet? interposed Mr. Marchdale. Perhaps you killed it. I think I must have hit it, unless I am mad. Charles Holland looked from one to the other with such a look of intense surprise that George remarked it, and said once to him, Mr. Holland, a full explanation is due to you, and you shall have it. You seem to be the only rational person here, said Charles. Pray what is it that everybody calls it? Hush, hush, said Henry. You will soon hear, but not at present. Hear me, Charles, said Flora. From this moment, mind, I do release you from every vow, from every promise made to me of constancy and love, 
and if you are wise, Charles, and will be advised, you will now this moment leave this house, never to return to it. No, said Charles, no, by heaven I love you, Flora. I have come to say again, all that in another clime I said with joy to you. When I forget you, let what trouble may oppress you, may God forget me, and my own right hand forget to do me honest service. Oh, no more, no more, sobbed Flora. Yes, much more, if you will tell me of words, which will be stronger than others, in which to paint my love, my faith, and my constancy. Be prudent, said Henry, say no more. Nay, upon such a theme I could speak for ever. You may cast me off, Flora, but until you tell me you love another, I am yours till the death, and then with a sanguine hope at my heart that we shall meet again, never, dearest, to part. Flora sobbed bitterly. Oh, she said, this is the unkindest blow of all. This is worse than all. Unkind, echoed Holland. Heed her not, said Henry. She means not you. Oh, no, no, she cried. Farewell, Charles, dear Charles. Oh, say that word again, he exclaimed with animation. It is the first time such music has met my ears. It must be the last. Oh, no, oh, no. For your own sake I shall be able now, Charles, to show you that I really loved you. Not by casting me from you? Yes, even so. That will be the way to show that I love you. She held up her hands wildly, as she added, in an excited voice, The curse of destiny is upon me. I am singled out as one lost and accursed. Oh, horror, horror! Would that I were dead! Charles staggered back a pace or two until he came to a table, at which he clutched for support. He turned very pale, as he said, in a faint voice, Is, is she mad, or am I? Tell them that I am mad, Henry, cried Flora. Do not, oh, do not make his lonely thoughts terrible with more than that. Tell him I am mad. Come with me, whispered Henry to Holland. I pray you come with me at once, and you shall know all. I will. George, stay with Flora for a time. Come, come, Mr. Holland, you ought, and you shall know all. Then you can come to a judgment for yourself. This way, sir. You cannot, in the wildest freak of your imagination, guess what I have now to tell you. Never was mortal man so utterly bewildered by the events of the last hour of his existence as was now Charles Holland, and truly he might well be so. He had arrived in England, and made what speed he could to the house of a family whom he admired for their intelligence, their high culture, and in one member of which his whole thoughts of domestic happiness in this world were centred, and he found nothing but confusion, incoherence, mystery, and the wildest dismay. Well he might doubt if he were sleeping or waking. Well might he ask if he or they were mad. And now, as after a long, lingering look of affection upon the pale, suffering form of Flora, he followed Henry from the room, his thoughts were busy in fancying a thousand vague and wild imaginations with respect to the communication which was promised to be made to him. But, as Henry had truly said to him, not in the wildest freak of his imagination could he conceive of anything near the terrible strangeness and horror of that which he had to tell him, and consequently he found himself closeted with Henry in a small private room, removed from the domestic part of the hall, to the full as in bewildered a state as he had been from the first. End of chapter 10